my boys, my dear boys, welcome to another exciting episode of Talking Shots, the photography and filmmaking <laughs> podcast. I like films. Hello, welcome to another episode of Talking Shot, the photography and filmmaking podcast. This week I am with the fantastic Stuart Wood, the guy with the most diverse uh, library of imagery, and we're going to talk about his wedding photography and also his photography with the BBC, ITV, and much of his work you would have seen graced across the radio times as well. Welcome, Stuart. Hello, how you doing? Very good, mate. Very good. So uh, good. You're, up, good. you're up in lovely Derby. Yeah, the centre of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and how are things with you, buddy? Very good, actually, yeah. Uh, obviously, we've had this nice bit of good news. So let, if we all behave ourselves, then hopefully we've, we're seeing the beginning and the end of all this. Uh, I'm doing for my jab this <laughs> Friday as well, so that's good as well. First one. Uh, let's move it on and let, you know, I know there are worse things than this, uh, and, and I'm not making light of anybody that's been directly affected by it. And yes, our grandfathers were asked to go to war. I know all that, and I'm not diminishing that either. But enough now <laughs> we yeah. want to get back then we're you know we do, we do. Yeah. and it's very different for like different countries in the uk as well because i'm i'm in wales you're in england so you're sort of uh, a bit of a head of the game over there so you know you're just across across the water and um yeah you know we're itching to sort of get back into things here but i was talking about your diverse sort of portfolio that you've got you do beautiful high-end weddings i remember a conversation we had last year at the societies in london and we were sitting in the bar it's stupid o'clock in the morning and yep. we started talking about uh, i think you'd gone through this whole rebranding process which was completely fascinating and you're talking about um how you shoot to a specific you've got a specific color tone that you would shoot to in a color palette which i thought was fascinating but the, the thing people uh, are talking about now is that some people who are wedding photographers you know who are only wedding photographers they're you know on their knees but they because they haven't got any work but the flip yeah. side to you yeah. you you work with the bbc and itv radio times etc so how has your sort of work balance been going over lockdown and covid when the first lockdown came everything ground to a halt didn't it and uh, that was pretty much the same uh, for me as well then we were sort of allowed out uh, to do odd things and i shot a couple of projects for father's day and it was aj and curtis with their dad the two magazine covers and then i worked on uh, a documentary bbc2 documentary alex brooker and uh, disability and me the comedian i had a couple of things on uh, once we're allowed out but then again it obviously affected everything across the board but the the film and tv industry has always been very good at policing itself they've been allowed to carry on and, and last autumn i was fortunate enough to get on two big dramas so i kind of went back to my roots i suppose in a way uh, i never burnt my bridges there even though i've the main effort, as you know, for the last couple of years has been solely the, the, the luxury end of the wedding market, uh, where I've been aiming at. Obviously, you know, getting to that, I w- I've spent many a year, t- 25 years plus now, being a, t- a TV and magazine photographer and always kept doing some of that. A, because I love it, and B, it keeps me at the sharp ends seeing new techniques as well. So I was able to get on two big dramas last autumn up to sort of, well, basically up to Christmas. One was the Channel 4 Ackley Bridge school drama and the other was Innocent, an ITV drama. Now, since then, 
I've been um, down to the last two on a couple of really big dramas and, and they've gone with the other guy and good luck to him. You know, that's the way it goes. But I'm up for other other things, but uh, which hopefully should be happening shortly. But the good news was, was uh, last week I shot my first TV programme at Media City in Manchester and that was a new game show with the presenter from Leon presents The Masked Singer on a Saturday. Okay. Uh, so, so it was good to be back again and put my new Fuji camera to test as well. Nice. Uh, because they're, they're amazing because, uh, Ross, I can obviously still carry on taking pictures during a take because you can turn it to completely silent. And you don't you don't need a blimp at all now, do you? So you No. I mean, I've got a blimp, but I haven't used it in ages now since I got, well, when I first got the X-T1. And the only place back in the day where you could buy them from was Hollywood, strangely enough. And I remember it coming in a massive box wrapped in newspaper. It was the LA Times. It was quite cool, you know. They're always really awkward to use because you have to have this, you basically, those uh, that may not know it, uh, well, one of those things is basically a big housing that wraps around your camera. And there's a lot of that insulating sponge. Theoretically, all the bubbles are closed so it doesn't transmit the sound, etc. And it kills the sound it doesn't kill it completely but it helps uh, quieten it but you can't get at the controls very well you, you've got your face pressed up against this thing with a you know and then you're seeing through one viewfinder then you're trying to see through your camera so they were never ideal uh, but now these mirrorless things have come into their own and, and as I say render completely silent so that's perfect and you know what you always used to know if you had a good blimp is if the sound guy didn't look at you Exactly. You know, I used to dread sort of courtroom scenes where, you know, you can hear a pin drop and somebody's whispering the evidence because you know that it's going to pick it up. And there were, there were at the odd time when I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to take pictures, basically, because it was picking up, you know, so that was with a blimp. But now it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I used to shoot stills for S4C. Uh, Welsh Channel 4 yeah. back in the day and there was a remember there was a scene in a church it was filmed in Manor Bear actually in Pembrokeshire and because it was in a church and it was so much echo you couldn't even use a blimp so it was and the guy and I had one chance to get it because it was a nudity the guy walked in the church presumably up the beach and down the aisle naked and then collapsed sort of at the end of the aisle and slumped boom as soon as I said cut that's when I had to get the shot and that's the time I had to get it and they weren't going to do it again that was it yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I've been there, mate. Yeah, plenty of times. Yeah, but, it's but, quite a high pressure job, though, isn't it? Because you, as you as you know, you're never the priority. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're, um, you know, you're the stills guy. And it's it's a very interesting sort of industry to work in TV production because it's quite a closed sort of net to get into. And even I think it's harder mm. so now to get into. Pressure of that is, you know, you've got everyone looking at you. You can't make a mess of things. And and no. I think I think that pushes you to be better, though. I think that's a really good thing yeah no you, you get disciplined and you never make any enemies I mean, you never make any enemies as you'll know because yeah. you never know when you need a, a quick uh, leave from the sparks guy or can't make can you leave that light on uh, cut yeah. for you know even though it's wrapped can you leave that light on 30 seconds you know just so i can get the you know and all that and and you never know when you need the costume or makeup or whatever so the the, the rule of thumb is like never make any enemies and obviously keep on the good side of the first ad that's the first assistant director who basically everything goes through but i've never been a big pro- uh, much a problem with that with getting on with folks anyway so uh, uh, and i've always kind of i took to it like a duck to water and and kind of like I suppose blag my way in like a lot of people but when they go like have you worked on we got this job coming up and it's a you know TV job you've done TV before TV before I'm you oh yes yes well, I think wow you know yeah, watched but, it. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah and thinking you know so nervous because you hear how folks you know get shouted at and 
there was uh, John Thor uh, was famous for throwing scripts at photographers. Uh, I worked with him once actually; he was absolutely fine. But it's it's amazing how everybody came up to me uh, from uh, first of all the picture editor at Carlton TV, it was then ITV, and gave me a whole lecture on like don't take any pictures until he, you know uh, whatever whatever whatever. And it went all the way through. The, I think the, the the producer rang me up of the drama. It was Kavanagh uh, uh, QC, his his legal thing, and even when I got on the day, he got a designated driver that drove him everywhere and he, he went oh mate 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 are you the skills guy yeah right let me tell you I know I know yeah so he gave me the, the spiel as well I like, just don't take any pictures anyway uh, they brought John Thor on and, and he said what do you want and I said I want you to hug your on-screen daughter here by the canal it was at Little Venice in London if we can and, and I'll be very quick I just wanted that view and that view and that's it and he went yeah fine he was perfect you know so no scripts thrown at me <laughs> and, uh, and as you know as well there's a thing called an eyeline that you've got to make sure you don't spoil that's uh, for those who don't know what that is it's where the uh, the actor is looking and if uh, if they're looking at another actor and you step in between the two you'll know about it yeah. uh, pretty soon yeah but you learn these things and you learn all the protocols and the, and the behavior and stuff and, and like i say it's it's, a, it's sort of these units uh, police themselves very well which is why they've been able to carry on because mm. basically the government said to them at the moment there's no covid rising in the tv industry that we can see but that they've been told because i know uh, a big producer told me this that um if they see it rising they'll close it down yeah. you know well tom cruise tom cruise um quite famously exactly. recently had a go at his crew didn't he because someone was yeah. not being uh covid or, yeah. or, or, or working to the regulations that he had laid down and he he really went no. for it and in fairness to him rightly so i think Absolutely, I can see his point of view because he's a producer as well, yeah. and I believe he's sinking millions into this product. Been told as well uh, from a very good authority that um, while the filming is continuing at the moment, the cost has gone up horrendously. The insurance company regulations now are so incredibly strict. Again, they'll close you down straight away, or you're not insured. All that kind of stuff. So the pressure on them is great. So I can understand where it's coming from there. Yeah. If, if like two, two guys without masks on it or whatever, or standing too close, uh, you can understand that because like. I think, you know, the bit of the outburst that could be broadcast was that he's on uh, the phone all night to insurance companies and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, so, hey, you've, let's reel it back a bit because um, you're, you're into your TV stuff. But what came first, sort of your weddings or your TV work? What, you know, I mean, you obviously love photographing people. That's that's quite clear. What draw you to it? Well, yeah, I was uh, going to be a manager at Sainsbury's in Derby where I met my good lady wife and then but always a fanatical fanatical photographer uh, so I thought look you get one crack at this life that we know of whatever you believe or don't believe in I went I went to my manager one day and said I don't want to be a manager anymore uh, I want to be a photographer I'm going to go, up and go to college and he said this is mad because you're going to make a really good store manager and I said you might be right it might be the worst thing I've ever done and that was what 20, 30 years ago now so I went I gave it all up and gone on a really really good course Salisbury College three years full time never done anything like this before so um, went on it and, and to start with I couldn't I couldn't get over the stuff the, the pace because I was at Sainsbury's like running this department doing the order at the same time and then, then they nick all your staff for the checkout and then you'd go oh blimey you know then I'd go to college and nothing seemed to be happening you know so I found that very frustrating but then uh, I started to get frustrated because I thought I was going to be a still life photographer advertising pack shots maybe London based etc but I just couldn't it wasn't happening uh, and I was very very frustrated and I just could never get on with five four cameras very well you know this kind of thing that's fixed and you know you, you see it upside down and yeah. then you have to put your eyeglass on just to see if it's in focus and then it's upside down or the wrong way around and it just I just wasn't getting it at all 
And, and a lecturer or a couple of lecturers came up to me and said, we've been talking. We know you're having a frustrating time to do it. And we can see why. This is not you. You're a people guy. We throw you in on photojournalist projects and portrait projects. You're the guy that gets in the places the others don't. Uh, you get people to do things the others don't in a nice way. Yeah. So I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. This is great teaching, isn't it? Because that really, that literally swapped me a direction straight away. So I had a good long think about it and thought, you know what, they're right. You know, that's the first thing. So let's embrace this people thing. If I've got, maybe got a, got something going for me there. And the one thing that you probably know about me, Ross, is once I've got a fire in my belly, you know, oh, I'm yes. kind of unstoppable really, aren't I? <laughs> you know, uh, you, you can put me down, but I'll keep going up off that canvas and I'll keep trudging forward. And, uh, you know, even if my ears hanging off and my nose is over to one side, I'll keep taking those punches and coming forward. So I really embraced this and thought what students got going for them. We know we're always poor, even though you've got a, a pint for a pint or two and they've always got that in the back pocket somewhere. So, you know, and people might feel a little bit sorry for that. So I came up with this idea of trying to contact celebrities and get just a couple of minutes with them. So in the last year and a half, here's the thing as well. Here's a good message here. Right people always laugh at you, all right, when you come up with a mad idea. Let them laugh. They weren't laughing a year and a half later. And I didn't do I didn't do this to prove them wrong. I did it because I wanted to do it. But they weren't laughing a year and a half later when, as a student, I was being commissioned by a national magazine, right, which is mad when I think about it. And I won Student Photographer of the Year at the Photographer's Gallery because of the project that I'm about to tell you about. In the last year and a half, I contacted 250 celebrities and I got 25 of them. And oh. it changed my life. You 10%, know? that's not bad. You know, the, the half empty, the half cup, uh, glass empty type would say that's a 90% failure rate, isn't it? But to me, <laughs> I'll live with that when that changed my life and, and, and the experience I got under my belt, you cannot buy. Mm. I'd throw myself in, I mean, friends the hell out of me now when I've got to, you know, back up this car full of gear assistant or assistants. You know, I just used to turn up with nothing, just a camera, my little Mamiya C330, uh, and that was it. Maybe a tripod if I was, if I felt like it. But I, but I always got an incredible buzz out of it. And I, and I remember, you know, like you, you have these moments in your life. The first one was John. John Inman out of, and he was at Salisbury uh, doing a show, so it was kind of uh, he had a lot of time to spare. And I thought this is easy, you know. The next one was Melvin Bragg at South Bank Studios in London, yeah. and I got there, and and the secretary came out, and there was the man. There. And to start with, you know, I got over in the end, and it doesn't really affect me now. But you sort of to start with, you think, blind me, I'm in the same room as this woman or this man, you know, this famous person, and I could see him through the glass, Melvin Bragg. Anyway, his, stu his, uh, his secretary came out and said he's had a meeting brought forward, so you know, we said half oh, now, you got ten minutes, and it starts now. <laughs> And, and I remember that adrenaline rush and I loved it, you know, and I still uh, got a great picture of him, which he loved. I still pushed it a little bit until he was going, come on then, come on then, you know, and I had to say, okay, that's a wrap. Thank you. But I remember I'm on, I'm on this train now going back to Salisbury and thinking, this is it. This is it. This is what I want to do. So I seem to have this knack of relaxing people and, and getting stuff out of it. And as I say, that I just concentrated purely on people. So I left college, having made the most of it. And then it was treading the streets of London twice a week, uh, five o'clock train in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. Now, interestingly enough, all the way through college, I used to do weddings, sometimes two on a Saturday, catching on to get me through college. Always loved them. Probably not for me, then. So then I sort of concentrated on the TV and magazines, going to see them, as I say, sometimes twice a week on the train, five o'clock in the morning, having to wait till sort of eight o'clock at night to get the cheapest train down and back and all the rest, all the rest of it. You know, did all that. They give you a small job, you do a good job, they give you a medium job, and then all of a sudden they go, ooh, and they give you a big job. And my big break uh, was Pride and Prejudice at the time. When was that, 94, 95? Uh, biggest thing the BBC had ever done. They said, uh, you've done TV, aren't you, Stuart? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on I went, and then I found out they'd sent 
visited two or three photographers before me, and they, they got absolutely nothing because the crew, the, the the cast were great, but some of the crew were horrible. And and there was a in back in the day then there was definitely a pomposity and arrogance with the BBC that seems to thankfully have died down a bit now. It's not as bad as it used to be, certainly in my experience. Or I'm just better at handling. It, I don't know without making enemies, of course. Um, <laughs> but I was there two days, and I managed to still against all the odds come away with the main picture for Pride and Prejudice. So I then got to be known as the guy you can chuck Stuart in anywhere and he'll come away with something, you know, mm. uh, and that's good. So I was all of a sudden being thrown in on all sorts of projects. And that's, again, with the magazine stuff as well, same kind of story. But that's pretty much it. Uh, still going after my all my holy grail was a Radio Times cover. I always at college wanted a Radio Times cover. That's what I dreamed about. And, and it was the one thing I couldn't get because the one thing I'm most, and that's life for you, isn't it? But eventually I got it. And, and, and getting famous now, I tell this story a lot, but it is, it is absolutely true. I said to my wife, I'm there. It's, it's going to go on the kitchen wall there or I die, whichever happens first, you know, because I'll never give in. Anyway, it's on the kitchen wall now, uh, nice and big. And every now and again, I'll give it a wink when I walk past. And that was. Who was your first Radio Times cover then? It was James. Nesbitt ah. uh, for Jekyll he did a thing called Jekyll uh, and that would be 2007 wasn't it something like that I think I'm watching a series with him at the moment Borderlands oh yeah oh, yes bit- yeah. He's, he's such a nice guy because hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you a story here as well because uh, then I got invited to the Radio Times covers party which is brilliant it's at Claridge's free bar <laughs> uh, and it's it's that kind of just after Christmas sort of when nothing else is on uh, and it's the most coveted uh, ticket out there and I managed to blag my way in a couple times before but this was I was officially invited and uh, unfortunately I hit the free bar too much um, you know and uh, my the picture I wanted with me and James Nesbitt with the cover you see that's what I was desperate for but he didn't turn up to really late and, and I don't know if it's just me or it, why me and B are mates and I, I'm not kind of an alcoholic or anything like that but but I can keep him my friend beer to the side slightly and still have a good time but wine I seems to miss that a bit out and I think the wine <laughs> so I always remember because there was an American producer because they've got money coming out of their ears had flown over just to get his uh, it was a series called Heroes back in the day they'd flown him over just to pick his frame up with his uh, thing and I went because no one's talking to him so I went on and said oh, I, love, I love the show great and I watch a lot of TV and uh, I'm usually able to predict the ending except for that but that took me by surprise and he was going oh really nice to talk to you Stuart you know anyway it must have been about an hour later when the when the wine had done whatever he came up to me and I couldn't speak to him <laughs> and I was going I'm so sorry anyway Jimmy uh, Jimmy Nesbitt then turns up and I'm kind of strangely following him around the room but I think this thing in the back of my head saying like Stuart don't make yourself look stupid you know now all of a sudden he's leaving and I bet he thought he was this weird guy I, I met him a couple of years afterwards and said, no, he didn't remember I said but you probably don't remember but some weird guy was following you on Claridge's it was me and I told him the story and he loved it, you know. But anyway, off he went and I followed him and I, then I couldn't find my way back to the to the party, you see, at Claridge's. So, so I sat in this armchair and straight away this girl uh, with a walkie-talkie came and said, I think you better get you home. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, again, Ross, when I'm um, uh, too much to drink, I'm, I'm never any trouble to anybody, but I'm probably a bit boring. I just want to be everyone's friend. But um, it wasn't a problem that was causing trouble, but they just obviously realised it was probably a bit worse than getting him out. Little did I, oh, and then I went and got my taxi and managed to somehow coherently save my hotel wherever I was staying and woke up the next day with a pillar pressed on the side of my head. But I always remember there was like, I walked out and there was a red car 
carpet and all the, all the paps were out there. Of course, they didn't photograph me. But then I rang Roger, who was then picture editor, and said, Roger, I'm really sorry, but like, I had a bit too much, and but I didn't come and say thank you. He said, don't worry, Stuart. Uh, it was a lot worse than you, so don't worry about it. <laughs> you do know that Madonna and Jack Nicholson were staying there, not together, but in the hotel. And I said, no wonder they got rid of me quick then. <laughs> imagine imagine this a girl, uh, security or whatever, like, I don't know, crackle, crackle on the radio, 10 minutes to Madonna, you know, get this drunk northern home, <laughs> get him out of <laughs> get him out of reception. And I always remember, you know, like all the times in my youth, my mum would give me a bit of a lecture if I'd had a bit too much drink. And I said, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But mum actually turned around and said, but Stuart, this is the thing you've been aiming for for all these years. Don't yeah. worry about it. I was going, hold on, mum. <laughs> but, it, but, it's a, but you can still go back to it and talk about it and laugh with it. <laughs> You're defending me getting slaughtered, yes. <laughs> As you know, Ross, there's always something happening with me. Yeah. There's always a story and there's always an adventure. Anyway, about the same time, I suppose, um, this thing came from uh, like a, some sort of invasion from the east it was like I heard about these new ways of doing weddings from the Aussies from the, from our friends like Yvonne and Jerry and all that you know straight. our gods yeah and I saw this new way of doing weddings and mate as soon as I saw them it was like one of those road to Damascus moments yeah. you know the, the clouds almost parted and this is me this is me you know <laughs> connecting with people working quickly you know you've got two minutes to get a radio time to cover you know sometimes mm. um, like men and women differently um, and, and being able to do all that quickly uh, while you're still connecting with them and get these results hopefully that, that, uh, that those guys got you know and and so that's when I started to explore the weddings well I mean like Katie Hughes writes about your uh, wedding photography Katie Hughes is a beauty writer for Wedding Magazine she says Stuart is a fantastic photographer totally capturing the feel of your wedding now he's placed along the top wedding photographers in the UK I would argue even Europe thank you yeah. <laughs> well and thank you. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> uh, here's the thing as well. And again, apologies if anybody's heard this before with any of my other. <laughs> <laughs> I then was meandering a bit and I weren't really getting anywhere, I thought. So I got mentored and somebody, Victoria, mentored me and she's brilliant. And she hit the nail on the head straight away because she said, tell me about yourself. And I told her about the Radio Times cover. You know, I'd claw my way through the mud if I had to, to get that or I'd die first, whatever, whatever. So I told her that story. And I said, now it's on my kitchen wall. It'll never move, etc." And she said, what's your plan now? I said, to be really successful in uh, wedding photography, you know. So she goes like, that's your problem. You haven't, you're better. True. Like, soon, you know, the, the, the celebrity project, all this kind of stuff. As soon as I've got something in my sites, uh, I will I will go for it big mm. time. You haven't really got that now. I says, well, I have. And she says, well, what is it? And I went, yeah, all right, you got me. <laughs> so uh, she said, you need to get a purpose. You know, I've got a preposterous purpose, aim now, and, and I'm aiming as high as I possibly can. So I've given myself, and this was like about two and a half, three years ago, uh, gave myself five years to get on Harper's Bazaar top wedding photographers in the world list now preposterous but i'm going to go for it you know and i might do it and i might not but here's the thing ross i might be kind of so far up now and my target is a lot further up but by the end of that whatever time period i'll be somewhere near it you know and that's that's fine and who knows i might even do it i'm a strong believer that you've got to have goals and to make your business successful you've got to have goals to strive for and that's exactly what you do you know and like you've done with your your tv work um you strive for that and now you've got your eyes on harper's bizarre list so i mean that's a hell of a goal to set but if you don't set high goals you're not going to really achieve anything 
Exactly. Which is what I, was, I, I felt I was doing. I was doing all this meandering around and not really getting anywhere, you know. Um, and I probably was, but it, sometimes it's never a straight line on a graph, is it? You know, they're, they're always set forwards and back and sometimes. And um, I suppose as long as it goes in the right direction, you're not doing too bad. But I felt I wasn't going in the right direction at that stage. Yeah. So that was worth having the mentoring. So that's what I've bitten off now. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. Would you say, I know, I'm thinking of like challenges, you know, is it, do you find that getting on this list is a challenge for you? Or would you say, you know, what is the most important sort of challenge you'll face as a photographer is what I'm trying to get at? Well, yeah, I, well, I, I think that is a challenge because, you know, it, it's, and here's the thing as well. And I spent a lot of years thinking that if I just become the best photographer that I can be, and I'm still trying, I'm still doing that, uh, then everything else falls into place. Yep. It doesn't, you know? So that's the bad news. The good news was I didn't exactly waste the time doing that because I did actually move, I think, my photography on, you yep. know, and then was able to say, all right, well, uh, you've got to change tack a bit, but at least, you know, you have this, uh, you're a better photographer than you were five years ago or whatever. And I'm still doing that now. And during the first lockdown, I studied all the, I'm, I'm very influenced by the top fashion guys, Alexa, Lee Bromersky, uh, who did uh, you know Harry and Harry and Meghan, the very topical man wedding. Uh, love is Harper's Bazaar stuff, uh, all that, and I used the time quite well. I think that first lockdown to study where I wanted to go because it was an opportunity and bring that into the into my work. And the other thing that I did along with those two uh, those uh, two big dramas was I managed to organise three like massive style shoots with with top wedding planners. Uh, so we did Blending Palace, we did Urich Manor, and we did. Island that those three shoes with the new kind of work very proud of very proud of yeah it's definitely I've got this I've been tinkering here there and everywhere but like you say shooting the colour palette etc I think I've got it now and it's yeah. a matter of but I'm still not happy I'm still going to you know push that further as well but I've got I know what I want now you know and so it's a matter of, of, of sort of making that I, re- I seriously want to give my couples a world class product you know I want the yeah. pictures to look like they're falling off the cover of Harper's Bazaar or whatever yeah. that's my aim yeah but then you also want to have that look which you have you've got that that's a Stuart Wood image so people will look at yeah. it and go I want that that's Stuart Wood's I want yeah. them. And you've got that style already. I hope so. And, and that's kind of all the years. It's always difficult to define, isn't it, style? You know, what is a, how do you get a style? And, and it's difficult to answer. But to me, everything that I've brought from with me from the past, you know, and all the new stuff that I'm trying uh, is now the style. The, the new stuff that I've already tried, sorry, I know it's working. That is now the style. But it's important to bring the best stuff from the past and also leave behind what, you know, doesn't work. Obviously. So yeah, I I believe there's sort of two uh, styles there, mate. Uh, there's a subconscious style which you will just go out and shoot, and then people will ask you how you shot, and you go, oh, I don't know, that's just how I shoot. And there's a conscious style which you will strive to shoot, and that's the one you sort of work harder at, and that's sort of your your conscious style. I'm sure you're absolutely right. There. Yeah. Also, I think it's good to realize that try not to be everything to everybody uh, and be a little bit more niche because if you try and appeal to everybody as the saying goes you'll appeal to nobody and as, as you know I told you a while back I went on one of my uh, great heroes is Greg Fink great photographer he's on Harper's List uh, and rightly so and I went on his course not last spring one before in Paris and as he said all you need is 20 odd clients a year and considering there's over 
seven billion of us on the planet, you don't have to appeal to everybody, you know, and, and you're far better appealing to just a very, very niche market. That was, again, that was a, a couple of years this coming spring. And that was an amazing course I went on. And that really, really uh, taught me to shoot, how to shoot to that level, not necessarily the photographic side. I've worked in the industry at a pretty high level for over 20 years. So I'm, I'm not going to go on a course these days and learn anything revolutionary when it comes to taking pictures. Uh, although there's always, we can always learn, well, he puts his light there, she puts her reflector there, whatever. There's always little things you can tinker with, but nothing sort of revolutionary. But things like we touched on earlier on, that Greg Fink shoots to a certain colour palette, you know, mm. which I never even thought of until I went on that. And then, then I got it. And you think, wow, you know, that's great. It's great to go on those things and appreciate the level that he's at. And the fact that he's quite willing to tell you anything and anything. Because I told him, I want to be where you are, Greg. But I said, I'm not the sort to come and knock you off. Not that I ever could, because I think you're amazing. I'm the sort to say, budget Greg. This, this room for both of us. And he said, I love that. So me and his mates, and I converted him into a Derby County fan as well <laughs> along the way. So uh, because uh, the last night, the candlelit evening at his fabulous trendy pad in Paris, we were all there. And there was photographers from all over the world, Argentina from Spain and Greece and Czechoslovakia, uh, Czechoslovakia, or sorry, the Czech Republic, I should say, America, and, and all over, Australia as well. But Derby County were playing that night, and he's a big football fan. Uh, it was a big game against Leeds at the semi-final of the playoff and uh, he actually put it on for me on the uh, on the wall without the sounds the mad thing was even though he sat me next to Joy Proctor who's like the biggest wedding designer in the world my head was saying network with Joy Proctor but the, the game was on the wall <laughs> so the, ent- the entertainment was the mad Englishman leaping around uh, and, and we won it right at the end with an amazing goal and he's hugging me you know so I said right mate I'm going to send you uh, the, the shirt that we wore tonight and uh, you know I'll, 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 I'll keep you in Derby County shirt so he's our honorary president of the uh, Paris chapter of the Derby County fan club now and I kid you not he'll go do a destination wedding and uh, he'll go for a jog in the morning and then he's taking a selfie with like man out skyline behind <laughs> he's got his Derby shirt on you know brilliant oh that's so, fantastic uh, and of course the thing that we worked on together Ross mm. for the uh, the charity thing yep. for Medicine Sans Frontier uh, got in touch with Greg can you give me a print and he said Stuart it's a, uh, have, a, have at least two you know yeah. because it's such a great cause so we kept in touch that's measure of the man, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And he's, and and seriously, uh, he always says if you want advice any time, just let me know. Yeah. So I'll, don't worry, I'll be tapping him up for that as well. So I've got a parting question for you, here, Stuart. What, yeah. What do you love, hate, and can't live without? <laughs> oh wow! Now it's very rare for me to be speechless, isn't it? Lots of words. Uh, what do words, I want? Yeah. Love, hate, and can't live without. And can't live without. Right. Okay. Uh, you can't Google it either. <laughs> I know. God, that's a really good question, isn't it? Mm. Love. I, I'm going to go with Derby County. Yeah, I that's the that. love. Yeah. And sometimes I hate them as well. Yeah, that could be both <laughs> got it, you know. Because being a Derby fan is a bit of a curse as well. You know, I also hate abuse of power. That's just something else, but we'll go into that another time. What can I not, not live without? I would say my photography yeah. with that. Yeah. Of course, there's my family. Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well that, recovered, that well recovered. Of, you know, yeah, I know, yeah. But there's taking pictures, mate, as well, yeah. that, that just is in me. And I'll be like Norman Parkinson, you know, God rest his soul. Uh, famously, he died on a, a thing in the, was it in the Seychelles or something? And he's well into his 80s. And uh, so many, 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 many years from now, probably, I want to go that way. We've all got to go, unfortunately. Uh, because I'm more fired up now about photography 
than I ever was. Yeah. When we go on holiday, and usually, obviously not at the moment because of what's been going on in the world, I'm usually absolutely uh, stressed out, uh, and, and exhausted. First week, I'm on the sunbed. All right. Second week, I'm itching to take photographs. So if we go to somewhere like uh, Cyprus or, I don't know, wherever, I always go up to the rep and get them to organise a photo shoot for me. And they love it because they go like, this is great because we're used to, like, uh, telly not working, plumbing not working, toilets broken, you know. So you give us a really good pro- uh, problem, you know. So they'll, I've had... I've Honestly, because I organised a load of local dancers and, and shot them just before they went out on this market square and they loved it, you know. So, I'm, I, but I just want to meet people and photograph them and and, that, and I'm still sort of relaxing on my holidays doing that. Yeah. Oh, mate, it's, um, that, that's a novel way to sort of uh, get your holiday going, that's for sure. Well, Stuart, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. Um, as it is always, Likewise. yeah. This time, certainly not in a bar, <laughs> but um, it's it's always it's always good for a catch up. So, where's the best place to contact you, Stuart? Uh, probably my Instagram, uh, and it's at Stuart Wood Photo, and Stuart is S T U A R T. Okay, so that's at Stuart Wood Photo. Awesome. We'll we'll put that in the description below, so people can just click on that, and we'll pop your websites and 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 bits and bobs down there below. Pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. Brilliant. Catch you soon. Yeah. Likewise, mate. Take care. You too. It's finished! It's all over! It has ceased to be! It has run down the curtain and joined the choir invisible. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to leave us a, a review or, or contact us, then drop us a line. Podcast at talkingshop.co.uk. Merci beaucoup. Mwah.